You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Leaf Sky, episode 13. Jim Taddy with you. I'm just going to tease you here and tell you that our guests today are Bill Waters, former Leafs assistant general manager, and the voice, the longtime voice of the Leafs, Joe Bowen, will stop by as well. We're thrilled about that. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can become every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat to all the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night. It is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like you've never before felt it. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the ice, the court, the putting green. You know what I'm saying. It's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap and then sit back and watch your points pile up. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion, billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now you know how to play. Download the DraftKings app and sign up using the code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, let's get to the hockey story. So the Leafs now sit at 14-4-2. Their fourth regulation loss was Monday night. Shut out on home ice by the Calgary Flames. This doesn't happen often, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, but it did happen on Monday night. Uh, The thing to remember here is it's only four regulation losses, and I can rhyme them right off. Monday night against Calgary, a week ago against Montreal, earlier against Edmonton, and at the very start of the season against Ottawa. When you have played 20 games and only have four regulation losses, that's something to be very, very proud of. What's troublesome is the leave injury list. Going into the game last night, Muzzin out with some sort of a bone fracture in his face, stopped to puck with it the other night in Montreal. Hyman out, took a shot in the skate in the, the left leg, so that may be troublesome. Thornton out with a daily maintenance problem we're not aware of. Anderson, the goalie, same thing. And, of course, add that to the other goaltender, Campbell and Wayne Simmons, and you've got an injury list of six now. Don't know if it's going to be six going into the game on Wednesday night, but think about this. The schedule ahead, Saturday, flying out to Edmonton to play the Oilers for the first of three in Edmonton, followed by two more in Vancouver. So maybe you want to err on the side of caution Wednesday night and maybe not dress a player or two and not rush them back because that's a grueling road trip. If you want an example of what the difference is between the Leafs Saturday night and Monday night, just circle a five-on-three. Five on three Saturday at Montreal, the Bell Center. The Leafs score in the five on three. And then when it goes to five on four, they score again. And in that game, that sort of set the pace for what was going to happen. Those are the first two goals of the game. And even though Montreal rallied to tie it at two, the Leafs really set the tone on that five on three. Now, last night, Monday night against Calgary, they had a five on three. And we understand that Hyman and Thornton aren't there. That five on three looked. I mean, it looked awful. That's what I'm trying to say. It looked awful. There was, you know, people weren't moving around. Uh, the image that we talked about so many times on Leaf Sky in the weeks before this 
was how Matthews on a power play would peel off like Brett Hall one timer and in. They couldn't get him the puck in the five on three in the Monday night game. Looked very, very static. So, uh, you know, that's an issue for the team to, to sort of work on. And that was sort of a, an indicator as to why the Leafs couldn't score last night. They had plenty of opportunities, just couldn't cash in, and maybe you need to work a little harder. And certainly the Calgary goals were opportunistic, but I take nothing away from the Flames in a 3 nothing win on the road. That's impressive for them. Nylander was troublesome again last night. He'll pop up in our Yes Guy, No Guy awards, heavy in the No Guy, based on the result. And John Tavares, a going concern as well, and he's going to pop up in the Yes Guy, No Guy awards. Let's now go to our first guest, former assistant Leafs general manager, Bill Waters. Winter Montreal on, on Saturday uh, and uh, just an awful Monday night, but so many people out of the lineup. What are your thoughts? Well, you, you, you have to recognize that uh, there's some pretty talented players there, but when there's nobody on the ice to go get them the puck, it's not as easy to keep scoring goals. I mean, the Matthews thing, you know, it, it was almost like clockwork. And that was because Joe Thornton was out there. And Joe Thornton gets the puck and he can pass it. That's a lot of skill on one guy. So I think they missed Thornton a lot more than they thought they would. The fact that they had a bad game isn't fair to Calgary. Calgary wanted to win that game a lot more than the Leafs did. And, uh, I just, I just felt it was almost the Leafs' turn to lose because everything had gone so well for them. I was disappointed that Matthews couldn't continue his streak, but not disappointed that he didn't score a goal or get an assist. The guy's got to take a breath. And uh, my, my annoyance still remains the same. They disrupted the first line because of injury, of course, to put Tavares on it. What did it accomplish? The first line became Tavares's line. That means nothing. And it meant it's meant nothing on the second line. They got to sit down with John Tavares and take the films and show him what he's doing or what he isn't doing. Seven, 11 million invested in a player who contributes nothing to uh, Marner and Matthews. I, I, I just, I'm disappointed in John Tavares. I kind of, kind of like him because he's a, a nice young man, but, Boy, oh boy, I didn't think that his career would come to an end three years into that seven-year deal because they're going to be choking for a long time on that one. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it was noticeable. It doesn't seem to play with the with energy. Um, I don't know how to describe it. It just, uh, And that's not how he started the season. He started the season looking sharp and upbeat, and, and now I don't know if he's playing mm-hmm. hurt or, or whatever. It's, it's hard to understand, and if you throw Nylander in with him, but you have to because most of the time they're a combo. That's that's a pretty disappointing chunk of money, isn't it? Well, and John, you're you Jim, you're your sex. The line was uh, uh, fourth line or third line. I don't I don't I can differentiate now because I have to call the Tavares line the second line, but it's not the second line, and, and they're getting scoring opportunities. And, and Tavares isn't even coming close. And, and I, I'm afraid, as you've been analyzed, that he may not be well. He may, he won't be playing with an injury. I don't think that would be the case. But uh, there's something wrong with John Tavares. And let's give him that. He, he's, he's a better player than what we've seen in the past three or four weeks. 
And their best bet is to sit him down, say, why don't you take two weeks off, and we'll see how you feel when you come back. Because they're, they're, they have to address a very serious problem. That is that John Tavares might be at the end of the road. That's, that's a bit of a jump in, in, in faith, but based on how he's playing, there's something wrong with him. It, yeah, it just doesn't look the same. And, and you know, they, they went out of their way to put him on, on the top line, uh, disrupted the second line or his line, uh, I, maybe maybe they outthought themselves. I don't know. It just didn't. Uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a bad effort. It's you know, I think the the lasting memory is the five on three power play that looked absolutely useless. Oh, that, I said to uh, my wife when we were watching. I said uh, this is the TSN turning point, and it was in spades. That game was over right then. And, and as you say, they put the virus in. They disrupt all. Four lines. Why wouldn't they just move Spezza to the right wing and leave uh, Marner and Matthews together, left wing, or, you know, whatever wing yeah. Marner wants to play? Yeah. But, uh, I know Spezza would have done better than Tavares. Uh, yeah. I don't even have to look at that, especially when he's on the power play. Although, as I recall, he was on the five on three. They couldn't get the puck out of Marner and Matthews' corner. Matthews was in the. I mean, Matthews wasn't even in scoring position all, most of the night because they were playing him pretty tough. And then you've got a, a kid like uh, uh, Kachuk, who, if you're going to play him at all, you've got to box him out. You've got to get him away from the front of the net. And they're out there patting him on the seat, patting him on the side of the shoulder. They're doing everything but box him out. And he gets a nice tip in to make it through nothing. And that was another TSN turning point because each one slowed the Leafs down another pace. Yeah, I agree. In fact, uh, it seemed that each one happened after a Leaf miscue or a failed scoring opportunity at the other end. So the timing of those Calgary goals was lethal. And, you know, I have to say that any coincidence or any resemblance between the power play on Monday night and, and Saturday night is purely coincidental. I mean, it, it just didn't look the same. They, they weren't fluid. They weren't moving around. They looked tired, actually, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, they were. They, they they played like a team that wasn't very confident of each other. And I think there must have been players that were on the ice a lot that knew that they missed Joe. You know, you hear uh, Marner or Matthews talk about Joe. They, it's, it's, it's terms of adoration. And that's not because he's a nice person. Because he is. But that's because... He, He's a hell of a hockey player, and he can really play when he's got a man advantage. He can go get the puck. He can pass the puck. And if you want to put it in the net, he'll do that for you too. The fact that he's 41 is just coincidental. Yep, I would agree with that. I like your point about Spezza because that's what I thought after the game. When I was doing the post-game show, I looked at the lineup and I thought Spezza would have been the guy I would have tried up there, and I would have left Tavares where he was, and I may have. Uh, yeah. shorten the bench, you know, just because you've got those guys that's that know right. how to play. And, and, that's, and the other guy they missed, of course, was uh, the big winger who got shot in the foot. Oh, Hyman, um, yeah. Hyman, yeah. yeah. I mean, Hyman is one of the most underrated players on the Leafs by a country mile. Oh. I mean, he disrupts play. He gets the puck back for them. Very worth They didn't have anybody doing that. They still had the fancy Dan guys. And if they can't see that it's time to move on from the Swede, well, then they're in trouble. 
they better get him out of there. He doesn't want to play. He can't handle the pressure. I think he thinks that the uh, Scotiabank Center is full of people who don't like him. That's not the case. There's nobody there. Play your game. It's a wonderful opportunity. But he plays like, I don't want to be here. I want to go with my brother in Chicago or whatever he is. I really you know. But anyway, the fact remains that that was another waste of money and time that combined with the Tavares misguiding on that signing, they've got 18 million tied up in two players who can't play with each other and can't play with anybody else. So what are you going to say? That's, yeah. that's a problem that Dubas has to address and just let it go or get, money, get, rid, of, get rid of one of them. Can't get rid of Tavares. So you no. might as well try on the other guy. Well, the Nylander caper, as I call it, uh, for me goes way, way back. And first of all, I just want to circle back to Saturday night when he was benched and the coach said he didn't like how he was playing and they had the lead. And you have to remember the week started with uh, that giveaway game to Ottawa. So, I mean, it was pretty clear to everybody on that roster that there's a certain way you're going to play when you have the lead. Why he drifted off the plan is beyond me. But I go back to the moment they drafted Austin Matthews, in my opinion, William Nylander became obsolete because you were there. You remember this when Nylander was drafted, he was the guy, but he got replaced by the real guy. That's when that should have been dealt with. Absolutely. And that, I I mean, you look at the talent that they would have at center ice. I don't think they'd be much better off, but Tavares was superfluous. If they wanted to do something, they should have just left, uh, William where he is and uh, Matthews where he is and your first two lines have young centermen who can play and they got responsibility and I think you might get more out of them than having Tavares skating around and disappointing not only himself but every Leaf fan in captivity it's a reminder of bad player appraisal bad salary management there's more to this and the coach trying to make them all happy. Oh, I, I agree, but I'm just going to go back to that. If you drafted William Nylander uh, as center, and you're not going to play him at center, I mean, that's the Galchenyuk story. I mean, you miscast these guys, you, you wrecked them. I mean, he's, Nylander's far from wrecked, but if you decide he's not your number one center, and Matthews is, and you don't want to play him at number two, you got to move him out. Uh, that's right. That's right, and that's the sad part of it. You've got to admit the mistake of a $7 million salary, which is what his agent asked for in the beginning of the negotiation and got at the end with a trip over to Europe in between by the general manager who forgot to bring his measuring tape to see if he was, in, if he was fit, and he wasn't. He showed up on, a, I think, a Monday, let's say it was the 3rd of December, and he was playing for Babcock on the 4th. And he never played a lick the rest of that season. When I say he didn't play worth a lick for the rest of that season, he should not have been on that team until he spent a month in Rochester. And they got him in shape. But, oh, no, they're playing favorites. And, and that's fine. But you, when your favorite has turned on you, you better get him out of your class. Yeah, that was embarrassing. I remember that well. He was out of shape. And um, nobody could yeah. figure out why he was even playing that game. But he was. And... And the whole season pretty well went with him. He didn't uh, 
didn't amount to much then. But, you know, here we are back at the scene of the crime again. And I just, for me, I, you know, I've got nothing against the guy. I think, you know, when, when I grade my NHL players, they're all NHL caliber. It's about the fit. And I don't think the fit, the fit for Nylander is here anymore. No, I don't think it is. And the fit for Nylander will be refined once he leaves Toronto because you learn a lot from watching this kid play. Uh, He's very fragile. His confidence is such that it better be going in the right direction all the time or he has none. And what are you going to get for him? I don't know. He hasn't done much. You're hoping you get a half-decent defenseman. Maybe you'll get a five guy. Maybe a four guy. I don't know. Maybe a high price guy. But they're not, it's, it's not what they could have gotten three years ago. And the Tavares situation is the worst, Jim, because they, they have to address that. It's apparent to all of us, let alone the pros that are watching, something is wrong. And if he hasn't got anything physically wrong with him, they better talk to him and find out what's disturbing him. Because he's not playing his. You said he started the season off with a roar. Yep. And he was out there last night. Matthews never touched the puck. He couldn't get it to him. Yeah, it was just, it was just an awful look. It just didn't look right. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what to say about it. I, you know, you see him in different roles. And, it, you know, the, the coach was praising his defensive play, which is something you do when, when an offensive guy isn't scoring but not hurting you, right? Yeah. Hmm. Well, the, and the thing... As a coach, a rule of thumb is if you've got a guy you have to replace, don't disrupt anything other than the position that you you have to replace. And if you so keep your second line, keep your third line, move a guy from the fourth line, like Spezza, yeah, to play, and see how he does. And if if the score's three nothing with two minutes to go, you'll know that you didn't lose anything because. They weren't in that game last night at all, and that's too bad because they certainly could have beaten them, as you witnessed when they were out there twice in Calgary. But yeah. something has to be done other than praising the boys and being careful how you make your switches in your lineup in case you offend some of them. That's what Sheldon Keith's going to have to address. He should be well, making those decisions based on his background, not on what uh, Tavares is going to think. Tavares has finished thinking. He's got to start playing. Yeah, totally agree with that. Unfortunately for the Leafs, the injury list is now six deep, and it happens at a time, and we, we don't know who's going to be back on Wednesday night. Maybe some of them will be. But, you know, you go into that long haul, three games in Edmonton, followed by two in Vancouver. That's not a trip for an injured hockey team. No, not at all. And uh, Edmondson's starting to put it together. They've always been a strong offensive threat. They've got Smith back in net, and that helps. So, no, the point's well made. they got five games that if they win three of them, it's been a great road trip. And anything from that down has just existed. So, uh, and you know what? I never thought I'd say this, but they missed Muzzin last night. They yep. missed the size. We're talking about boxing out. I mean, he just has to turn around and he boxes you out. His shadow boxes you out. And he's on the ice all the time with Kachuk. Oh, Kachuk had a picnic. Nobody challenged him. He just got in front of the net and bothered uh, the goaltender and uh, got a nice tip in. But shouldn't have. 
you don't you don't set up for a, a pea shooter and fire it right in the stick and nobody but nobody put a hand on him, let alone cut off his stick. Gotta do one or the other. You gotta try and box him out or at least prevent him from having full use of his stick. And when you do and you got a shot like that and a guy that can do it the way he can, you're sure one thing, it's a goal. Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, we remember the team without Muzzin. We remember the team without Simmons. And we would have said back then that, you know, there's a lot of great talent here, but not enough of the right pieces. And it's just, it's kind of startling to me that after all these years, you know, Muzzin had to be acquired and Simmons had to be signed as a free agent. They really never drafted anybody like that, did they? No, 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 no. But that's, you can see what they draft. Yeah when it's obvious that they don't need anybody to make the decision in the case of Matthews, they'll draft a highly skilled player against a quality personality type player who plays with some aggression and isn't a fighter, but he, he, he's a presence and they've, they've they've not drafted any of those people. And so now they've got a list of Makayas that uh, can skate well and can do a lot of things I'd have trouble putting a puck in the net when you need it. Last night, two breakaways on shorthanded play. Boy, oh boy, I'd have him killing a lot of penalties. He'd be out for every penalty. He's quick, and he, he, he loves to uh, push forward with the puck on the chance of a breakaway, and he's got great uh, breakaway speed uh, to accommodate that. But playing him regularly is a waste of time. It's pretty hard to shovel the puck into the net. Yeah, I mean, on those breakaways, if he could just put that about four inches higher, he'd have some great totals because he's yeah. uh, those aren't his first two oh, breakaways yeah. shorthanded either. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, he was doing it right. I mean, they were. And uh, it was surprising he got one. Then when he got two, I thought, boy, this is becoming a habit. And it was. It was a habit he was getting them, and it was a habit he was missing them. Well, Bill, appreciate it. Thanks very much. And now it is my absolute pleasure to welcome to the Leafs Guy podcast the longtime voice of the Leafs, Mr. Joe Bowen. Joe, obviously the uh, the winning ways ended on Monday night against Calgary, but before that, that was a really nice stretch of, of really superb Maple Leaf hockey, and I think really defined who the Leafs are this year. Would you agree? I think one of the things, uh, certainly, Jimmy, that when the offseason arrived and there's been all kinds of help from the media to tell management what this team needed uh one uh the biggest thing was to improve the defense core uh the second was to add some size and some sandpaper to a lineup that really had very little pushback and they went ahead and did that um the additions of brody and bogosian on the back end and the development of justin hall have uh been instrumental in playing better in their own end. They always had the offensive talent, but the addition of uh, Wayne Simmons and uh, Joe Thornton, uh, I think have been instrumental in giving them uh, that added size and, and, and aggressiveness when they needed it. And I think that that has been a key component. Now, unfortunately, uh, they've also run into injuries with a lot of those people. Uh, Jake Muzzin has gone for a, a bit of a period here with a broken bone, a cute bone probably, uh, and Thornton's been in and out a little bit, and they lost uh, 
Simmons. But I think that while they were together, they developed the continuity that they're going to play better defensively. And by playing better defensively and moving the puck better, they're creating a lot more offense. And uh, obviously, Marner and Matthews have uh, been the key components there, uh, but they have lived off of that quite nicely as well as their power play. Yeah, I like what you said there. And sometimes people forget, like when you have the wish list, it's like we need a guy who can do this. Well, you may get that guy and he may not fit. What's important here is Thornton, Simmons, Brody, and Bogosian are perfect fits, aren't they? They are, and 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 you can go about trying uh, and finding out Ooh, that didn't work. Uh, you know, uh, and 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 having said that, you know, it's it, it's a different league when you play in the regular season than it is when you play in the postseason. Um, I, I don't care who you are. The old uh, Conn Smythe axiom of you can't beat them in the alley, you can't beat them on the ice. That may not hold true to be the Philadelphia Flyers of the Broad Street Bully era, but for your star players and your gifted players, you must make them feel comfortable. And I think being comfortable means that you must feel, they must feel protected. And, and I strongly uh, feel this way and the Leafs have never done that in the postseason. They've never had a team that would push back. And subsequently, the only guy that pushed back, they traded in Nazem Kadri. And I think since that trade, they've been trying to find that kind of player, that kind of individual that, uh, if not striking fear into the hearts of men, uh, will at least give people a second thought of taking liberties with some of the star players because, uh-oh, here comes the big fella off the bench. And Wayne Simmons is going to provide that. And uh, it, it's like having the atomic bomb. You don't have to drop it. You just have to have it. And uh, that's <laughs> something I think that uh, uh, teams that you've seen go to the Stanley Cup and win have had that kind of uh, aggressiveness and physicality that uh, made their star players feel that much more comfortable. And I was always a little concerned about how they would do that because this is a high-skill, high-paced team. Sometimes you could add those those elements of, of, of roughness and and, uh, and truculence, if you will, and they won't be that fast. Like, they won't think the game the way the rest of the Leafs do. That's important. Did you ever use that word five years, ten years ago? <laughs> I, had to look, I had to look it up when you used it the first time. I saw Muhammad Ali once be accused of being truculent, and he said, whatever that is, I am. <laughs> exactly. Well, what the hell was your question now? No, I, yeah, you're right. It, it, but it, it is something that that, uh, that is there in the sport. Um, it, it is still a, a collision sport. It's a, you're, you're going, and it's faster, and the collisions are more uh, abrupt, and, and probably more painful because of the speed and the size of these guys now in comparison to, say, the six-team league uh, way back when. But you still have to have that. And, uh, uh, you know, some coaches relish it and, uh, and, 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 and go overboard with it. But the Boston Bruins are a perfect example of this. They've got that one line that is just absolutely out of this world and then they have a lot of bangers and crashers and people who are not afraid to be first to the puck, or if they're second to the puck, they're going to arrive in a real miserable mood. And uh, 
you know, the, the Leafs have people like that, like Zach Hyman. He's not going to be a fighter. But Zach Hyman finishes his check, and he wants to be first to the puck. And if it's going to be a tie, it's going to be a physical tie. Simmons is the same way. Uh, I think we're finding other people that are, are kind of fitting into that mold a little bit. I, even a Mikheyev, for instance. He's not going to fight anybody, but his size and physicality can lead to some uh, some turnovers and stuff. You, uh, you wish he could just start scoring because he's getting more chances than Austin Matthews. Game. But those are the types of people that will turn games around, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, totally agree. And what I like about Simmons, and sometimes you don't appreciate a guy until he plays on the team that you're covering, is he just naturally has that aura that creates space. He doesn't have to slug anybody. He just takes up space at the top of the net. The net front is what we call it. And he's, that's that's where he goes. He's, it's like he's drawn there as, as a magnet. And, and all of a sudden, the Leafs have net front. They didn't have that before. And that takes courage. Uh, you're you're going to get hacked and whacked and everything else. And, uh, but if you're somebody like a Dave Andrichuk from uh, past years, yeah. that's the office. And uh, uh, you've got to be uh, – and, and Simmons uh, isn't as good as Dave Andrichuk was at it, but he works at it. And that is going to the front of the net and tipping pucks. And uh, I remember Dave Andrichuk used to drive Felix Putt absolutely crazy because he wanted to stay after practice and have people shoot pucks and let, and let him get his big frame in front of the net and, and deflect him. And you can see that in Wayne Simmons. Uh, he's, he's not got the softest hands in the world. He's not the most creative player in the world, but he knows where to go. He knows what he can do. And when he does get to the front of the net, he's going to be a miserable SOB. And he's also going to get an opportunity to probably either deflect the puck or gobble up a rebound and, and, and score goals. So that was part of it. We've lost him for a while. It'll be good to get him back in time uh, for the second half of the season and, and, and for the playoffs. But I like the way this team has been put together at this particular point. I'm not so sure that there isn't another move that could be made, but uh, we'll wait and see. I really like the moves on, on the blue line just because it's been problematic for so many years going back through many regimes. Uh, the fact that you could add Brody, who's a, just a perfect complement for Morgan Riley, and Bogosian, a solid 5-6 guy, that's remarkable. I, I'm still scratching my head about what happened in Buffalo. Uh, how this guy couldn't get on the ice and then ends up being Victor Hedman's partner and wins the Stanley Cup and has been nothing sort of uh, uh, of solid, steady defensive play for the Leafs at this particular point. So um, I, I don't know what happened in Buffalo. I, it obviously was a, a, a personality conflict of some sort, but uh, it really, uh, it, 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 it is strange. Um, he's, uh, he's solid. He uh, understands his limitations. Uh, the other night, uh, he kind of got out of his uh, wheelhouse a little bit. I, he tried a, a Bobby Orr rush there for a little bit and got turned <laughs> over. And I said to Tim Ralph, I said, Good thing we don't see that going every day. He knows. Um, I love the one of the great lines that, that I heard was Bob Plager talking about when uh, Doug Harvey was brought up from the minors uh, to play with the St. Louis Blues in their playoff run playing against Philadelphia Flyers. It was game seven. And Scotty Bowman had brought in a Hall of Famer. He was 45 or six years old. I don't know how old it was. And Harvey turned to his young defense partner, Bob Plager, and he said, Mr. Plager, when I pass you the puck, 
under no circumstances are you to ever pass it back to me. <laughs> Give it to one of those idiots up there and let them screw up. But we're getting the thing out of our end. Now, in this day and age of hockey, uh, the defense moving back and forth a little bit, regrouping all the time. But I think Bogosian understands the premise. I'm not the rushing guy. I'm not the guy going end to end. Give me the puck. Give me an outlet. You're getting it. Let's get the hell out of here and go down into the other end of the ring. Well, and one of the other features of all this is, I mean, we're talking about a team DNA or team identity, and, and you're calling this, so you're going to see this before anybody. The five-man unit is really in sync, and that wasn't always the case. No, you're right, and uh, but they are uh, they're working well together. Uh, I think the forwards have uh, bought into the um, the idea of playing better defensively, and you know, when your best player, when your best player is your best defensive player. Um, the room can't just sit back and say, well, you know, he's not doing it. Uh, why would I have to do this? And, and I can recall vividly the conversations about Doug Gilmore, um, who was putting up 120 some odd points and, and the way he would play in both ends of the rink and play a lot. I mean, uh, Pat Burns never got him off the ice. And, and uh, I think it was in the Passion Returns, and it may have been Bill Waters being quoted saying, when your best player is your hardest working and your best defensive player, uh, you have a role model that uh, is stuck up on the on the wall in the dressing room that you have to measure up to. And uh, I think that that's uh, a key component of what's happening here is it's the maturity and the development of the Leafs' best player. And both Marner and Matthews, are very much uh, akin to being good defensive players and responsible uh, defensive players. And and now uh, with Marner and Matthews uh, having some time on the penalty kill, Marner especially, it, it drives that point home that other people can't be taking a day off by not working hard or coming back hard to aid the defense and play well defensively because you're going to get uh, look down the bench and you you're going to be pretty embarrassed because of what you see from what uh, the best players on this team are doing uh, night in, night out. Well, those two guys, I mean, they have matured. Uh, you notice it a lot uh, with Austin Matthews, and I think Marner maybe matured a little earlier than, than Austin did in terms of what they're doing on the ice. W when did you notice the difference in Austin Matthews? Because to me, this is like watching a flower bloom. Yeah, it, it, it came in, in, in steps. Um, uh, as I recall, his first game was pretty good. Yes. Uh, from, from, <laughs> from that point on, it's been all downhill because he never <laughs> yeah. but, but, but he was on the ice for the for the losing goal, right? Yeah. Four and four, and was more upset by that. So that was that was just, I think, giving you the tip of the iceberg of what was underneath to come. And uh, it has uh, certainly gone over the, the course of his career, uh, another step, another step, another step, until this year, you know, and, and I love the fact that Sheldon Keith said he's going to penalty kill for us. Uh, we're going to get him on the ice uh, at, at times doing that. So these are important steps. But what you see, um, the way he retrieves pucks, his tenacity on the forecheck or even in the defensive zone, and I hearken people ask, you know, can you compare him to someone? 
and, and his active stick, how aggressive he is, how strong he is on the stick, and his ability to just little movements to steal the puck from something reminds me so much of David Keon. Um, neither of them are running people through the end boards, but they have great positioning. They have good body positioning, good body size in the case of Matthews. But those hands are, they're sweet when he has the puck. They're very sweet and, and, and productive. But when he doesn't have the puck, he is just as good with his hands as anyone I've ever watched play. Uh, and it's a, it's a real treat. And every defenseman that he plays against has got to be just deathly afraid of that little shoot. And he's got it again and looking for someone out in front of the net or, or back to the blue line and keeping the offensive zone pressure going. And then all of a sudden, that little move in the corner that got the puck back, he's off on the side with a one-timer and scoring a goal. Well, you think of, uh, in, in our age group, you would think of Bossy, uh, Curry, you knew that you knew the, that he was going to shoot, but you couldn't stop it. Certainly, Brett Hall, now Ovi, and, and I would put Austin Matthews in that class, no problem. I do too, Jimmy. But a lot of those guys that you mentioned, I think Matthews was better defensively. Yes, and, and that that you know that's uh, that's kind. Of, I mean, Ovi is you know he obviously a great goal scorer and really a power play specialist. Um, I was really happy about the way things were going this year as far as Matthew scoring in the, in the first period and opening goals. And I, I did the research for the game last night. And the 176 goals that he has scored, he had played, he had scored in, in four consecutive games the first goal of the hockey game. In his first season, he scored 14 first goals of the hockey game. In his career, he has scored 30. That's wow. a remarkable number. And in and, and that time period, I believe he's second or third in that department. When he has uh, he scored, because he scored the first goal of the hockey game, he's also scored 48 times in the first period. And also, he has scored 67 times to give the Leafs the lead. Not the winning goal necessarily, although some were. But it, the, it's the importance of the goals that he scores. And when he scores, this isn't the, the, the guy kind of cleaning up in a 7-2 win with a nice uh, empty net or a potter or whatever. These are goals that are coming in, in critical stages of hockey games. And that's a tremendous, um, I, it's not a skill, I guess it's a mental uh, approach or something. But it, it is timely and, and really something that I find very remarkable as far as this young man. Are you surprised at all at the fit that Jumbo adds to that line? I was. Um, and, and the first couple of games, I thought, no, uh, not sure. And when, when Thornton came back from the injury, it was like night and day. And it, it really does look like uh, Joe Thornton has found the fountain of youth a little bit and obviously, the kids love Grandpa. And uh, they are, are playing very well with him. They have learned what he does well, uh, back of the net, size, checking the puck, find some open space. He's a great passer of the puck. Uh, and I think that that has really um, developed into some chemistry. And I, I really hope that Joe can stay healthy here for a stretch of time because that line was uh, just dynamite. Uh, through the, uh, the course of time when he was back after his first injury. 
I wonder what your thoughts are, Joe. I mean, you're up there calling Matthews and Marner. The Leafs finally have that that deadly duo that that always was on the visiting team, or when you were on the road, you know, the the, the Pittsburgh duo. Uh, you go through the whole list: Washington uh, over the years, Gretzky, whatever. I mean, there's always that guy and his entourage that came to Toronto and, and either lit up the Leafs, or you regretted that he wasn't a Maple Leaf. You don't have to feel that anymore. No, uh, you, you kind of enjoy it, and, and you realize that given an opportunity, these guys are going to score. Um, it was disappointing uh, on Monday night when they uh, had seven power play opportunities that didn't score, uh, because uh, you really think that with man advantage, it, it, it's um, it's a special team. They move the puck so well, uh, they get find open spaces, um, but not having Thornton and not having Simmons uh, will detract because they don't have now two real good units, one and one A, uh, so to speak. So having said that, uh, teams maybe uh, shut them down a little bit until these guys get back. But it is um, it is interesting that they have that one-two punch. And if they could get Tavares and Nylander going a little bit on the second line, uh, this team would be just unstoppable and hot. it would be a just an and it still is because you know those guys are going to come out of it. But it's it's a, a matchup nightmare for coaches coming in as to what defense pair and what line do you want out against these guys. Well, and that's the other duel. So Tavares and, and Nylander have, have struggled in their own, like individually and collectively. What's your read on what's happening there? It's, uh, you know what? It, it, it is uh, – and, and Sheldon Keefe has tried putting different people there to try and get it going and, and, and things of that nature. Uh, I, I really don't know, Jimmy, why it hasn't clicked. Um, and, you know, it, it may be not having Simmons available there that uh, would give them a little more presence. They've moved Hyman there, who usually uh, really ignites a line because of his physical play. Um, but they have they have to be in a situation. I find they turn the puck over too much, mm-hmm. and uh, they 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 shoot themselves in the foot maybe by not uh, simplifying their game by just getting the thing to the net. And I think that that's something that I think that they have to work on. You can't pass the puck into the goal. You got to get someone to shoot it. And they at this particular point are having some difficulty. It was interesting that the the they put. Tavares up on the line with Matthews and Marner to start the game against Calgary because of the injuries. Um, and that didn't work out, and they quickly went back to doing things after that. So um, it, it is it, – it, it's just going to take time. It's going to take one of those games where uh, they it goes in off your skate or goes in off your rump a couple of times, and all of a sudden you've got two on the game, and all of a sudden those hands that uh, seem to be encased in uh, cement are going to all of a sudden feel a lot lighter. Last minute of play in this podcast. Thank you, Mike Ross, PA announcer at Scotiabank Arena, to let us know there's uh, less than a minute to go. So time now for the Yes Guy, No Guy Awards. Heavy on the No Guy, Nylander. Five Mm. giveaways in the game on Monday night, so he gets a No Guy. A No Guy to Ilya Mikheyev. He had two breakaways, shorthanded, same move, didn't score, and on one of them, the Flames went down and scored on their power play. So unfortunately for Mikheyev, we have to saddle him with a No Guy. Another no-guy to John Tavares, who had the opportunity to play with Matthews and Marner, and it didn't work out. And John is the Leaf captain and is expected to deliver more, and I'm sure he will going forward. But 
but last night and in, in the games that led up to it are definitely a no guy for him. We end on a yes guy to the Leafs, who have played 20 games and have only four regulation losses. That is an emphatic yes guy. Hope you enjoyed episode 13. Hope you come back Friday for episode 14.